0: Are you with me? And so what happens then, is then pastors and ministry start having the vision of climbing a corporate ladder of success in ministry, just like they do in the world. So now it is a dog-eat-dog world, where I come to you as your pastor, and you vote me in, but you're not big enough for me, and I know that I have more potential on the inside. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you I love you, but I'm going to romance this bride over here, and I'm going to begin to talk to this church over here and, and while I'm having an adulterous affair over here with them and inner acting with them I'm going to come back home every week and tell you I love you tell you I'm committed to you but as soon as they're willing to divorce their pastor and marry me then I'll divorce you and go marry them And so we've had spiritual adultery and divorce in the church and in the ministry. And then what you leave behind is children who are deemed illegitimate because the one that birthed them isn't committed to raise them and to be a father in the house. And so now we have a whole generation of Christians who have grown up who have never had a father in the Lord who loved them and would lay down his life for them. And so now we wonder why we have 75% transitional church growth. Because people have never committed to a father. And so what you leave behind is spiritual orphans. And then the people are waiting. God, will you send us somebody who will adopt us as their own, who will nurture us and care for us and raise us up and teach us what it means to be a family and to be accepted in the house of God. Somebody ought to say amen. And so we've created all that and then we wonder, how is divorce going so rampant in our society? I believe because it started in the church. I believe there's a spiritual connection to every natural connection twist that's wrong in our society. Because God created man spiritual before he ever became natural. And when man turned away from the spirit of God and chose a natural life, it perverted everything. That's all right this morning? It's snowing, so I know the faithful will be here, so I brought a good word. <laughs> John chapter one. In the beginning was what? In the beginning was what? Okay, everything begins with the Word. Stay with me. Everything begins with the Word. Your life, your walk, your relationship with God is with the Word and the Word only. You take me back, you have some idea. Well, this is what I think. Okay, give me chapter and verse. And when you read between the lines and you're looking at this and you're looking at that, that's fine. But if it's not in there, there's a reason that God didn't put certain things in there. There's a reason He steps over things. It's just like when the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, will you restore the kingdom to us at this time? Jesus said, that is not for you to know. If God didn't put it in there, then it's not for you to know. So it does you no good to interject things. People say, why are there so many different viewpoints? Our viewpoints are on the interjections, not on what's written. Churches and denominations differ on what they interject or read into the Word, not what's written in the Word. I'll sit down with any pastor, let's just open our Bible and read the Bible. You believe that? Yeah, I believe that. Then we, we agree. Where do we disagree? On the interjections. Are you Calvinist or are you Armenian? I'm Bible. Are you fundamentalist or are you Pentecostal? I'm Bible. Therefore, I'm a fundamental Pentecostal. (laughs) Amen. In the beginning was the... if If you ever get away from the Word, you've just deviated from truth. In the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the Word is He. The Word is God. God and His Word are one. You've heard me say it over and over if you've been here long. You can't love God and not love the Word. You can't know God without knowing the Word. So you have to, how do, I just want to know the Lord. Then get to know His Word. He's made Himself available for you to know Him. Are you with me? You can know Him through the Word. Praise God. And then we've gone through this, that everything was made by Him and through them. Then down at verse 12, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, born of God. So in order for us to become sons of God, we need to be born of God, or children of God. Are you with me? Verse 14, And the word what? The word what? The word became. That's God's will for your life and for my life. That for you to hear the word and for the word to become in your life exactly what it says. The Bible says you are healed, then you become that word in your life. The word becomes healed. Look at your outline. Everything in the kingdom of God is connected to change. What it becomes. What it becomes. It gives us before and after. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You have heard it said, but I say unto you. Okay, it was this way, now it's this way. Change. You must be born again, a new creature, a new man, renewal, a renewed mind. Not by conforming, but by being completely transformed. Not just to mingle old with the new. Amen? And so, God, everything about coming to Christ is change. Everything about American Christianity is same with a little God added on. American Christianity is you can be the same, just add some God. That's basically what American Christianity is today. That's what televangelism says. Watch any Christian TV. Everything is to make people feel good about where you are, how you are today. There's nothing about death, denial, or change. Very little preaching on hell or consequences. And the Bible is a book of truth or Watch, as we previously stated, John reveals to us in the opening comments of his gospel that the purpose of the Word of God has always been to become. In the beginning, the Word became all things created. God said, it became. Genesis 1, God said, let there be and there was. That hasn't changed. If you ever get faith, excuse me, Jesus said it like this, watch this. If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, then you will say, and it will obey. Man, I just don't know how that happened. It just means you're not pregnant yet. You, 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 you haven't received. Because see, the faith comes by hearing. Now, faith, if you, if you would, is your spiritual child, if I could put it like that. But the minute I conceive the word, faith cometh. Now all of a sudden, I, I, I got that. And so now that is going to come out of me. That's going to be developed and growing, come out of me. Everything in the word of God is about a sowing and a development, a growing and maturity and a manifestation. You conceive it, it's planted, it grows, it matures, and at the appointed time, manifests. And here's the key. In the natural, I don't care what. You have sex long enough, somebody's getting pregnant. Unless we physically take you out of commission. Unless we phys- Stay with me. I'm not saying this to be... Unless we physically alter your state. And I don't even care how old you are. There's been some old chicks having some babies. Amen? Ladies, that should have resigned to the fact I'd be grandma now. Too old to be mama now. Hello? But see... Because it was you were created to conceive and to bring forth life. And if you will continue doing the thing that conceives and brings forth in your walk with God, if you'll just stay connected to the Word and keep receiving the Word and keep receiving the Word, pretty soon you're going to conceive life. And when you get that life on the inside of you, it's going to grow, it's going to mature, it's going to develop, and it's going to have an appointed time. He says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is transformational change in its highest form, and it's God's heart for us. Look at the inside. The purpose of God for our lives is not merely improvement, but complete transformation from the old to the new. In a resurrection that follows the death of the old man, excuse me, it is a resurrection that follows the death of the old man being planted in the soil of God's kingdom and then raised in newness of life after the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. Christianity is your life being planted in God as a seed, dying and then being raised up in Him in newness of life. That's Christianity. Christianity. It's more, and and I apologize to you last week for for, for if I gave you the impression that it's only a sinner's prayer. You know what a sinner's prayer is? It's you going to the spiritual mortuary and buying your plot. That's about it. But life in Christ is when you get buried there and He raises you up in newness of life. So you you can own a lot of plots but until you ever get buried in one, and you're raised up in Him in newness of life, you just be a plot owner. All right. It's a resurrection that follows the death of the old man being planted in the soil of his kingdom, then raised up in newness of life after the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. Him being the firstfruits and the firstborn from the dead. Let's walk through these real quick. Revelation chapter 1, watch this. I hope I'm helping you because God's taking me somewhere. Really, that's all I have to offer you. Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. If we follow Him, we arrive at Him. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the who? The who? He is the firstborn from the dead. Do you know who you be? Somewhere down the line after the first. The second or the third or the 355th billionth. I don't care which one. But somewhere, you're the next one after the first who has been born from the dead. Because the only way for you to be in Him and never die is to be in the victory of His death over death. He conquered death and set those free who were all, Hebrews 2, 14, who all their life were subject to the fear of death. He set them free from the bondage of death. Jesus said, he that believes in me will never die because I went in and I've already conquered death, hell, and the grave. But in order for me to get into him, I only pass through him by death. That means I die. The Apostle Paul said I die daily. I consider myself dead. And so I bring my life and I lay my life down. And then I live on the other side in believing for resurrection that everything that died is now raised back up in newness of life. And in newness of life, it will never be a bondage to me. It will never have control of me. It will never direct me because now I'm directed by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Nothing inferior, nothing below Him, nothing under His authority will ever be able to reign over my life. He rules and reigns in my life. Somebody ought to give him a praise. Hallelujah. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Look at verse 29. Let's go back up to verse 28. Watch this. For we know all things that work together for good to those who love God, those are called according to His purpose. How many of you have ever quoted that verse as the promise in your life? Great. How many know that's on the other side of death? You quote that. See, people have quoted Bible verses on this side of the grave, and it's not working. I've had people literally tell me, Listen, I've had people literally tell me in all the years we've been pastoring, I tried that face stuff, it didn't work. I tried that face stuff, it didn't work. And I think, do you know know what you just said? The Word of God always works. The Word of God, it's kind of, you know, they, they say in business, have a plan and work the plan. God has a plan. If you work the plan, it works. The problem is, is I tried to do God's word my way and his word didn't conform to my way, so his word doesn't work. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good. You're supposed to be the faithful. The other people didn't make it because of the snow. You're supposed to be my amen corner. Verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to whose purpose. So where is you in there? <laughs> According to His purpose. What? For we know that whom He what? So He knew you were coming. He also what? He what? Does anybody know what predestined means? It means He planned before you got here. He designed the plan. He foreknew. He knew before that you were coming. And so before you got here, He designed the plan for your life. Ephesians 2 says that we are predestined unto good works. Predestination is just the fact that God has a preordained, pre-established plan for your life. And when you agree with His plan, life works. When you go in and submit changes to the building department, God, thank you for the blueprints for my life, but I've made a few changes. I would like to resubmit the plan. Could could you send it through plan check and have the Holy Ghost give me some confirmation? And the angel at the counter says, we do not accept revisions. (laughs) Every life gets one plan. So He predestined you to be what? Conformed to the image of His Son that He might be what? Firstborn among many brethren. Okay. Now the image of Christ is fully submitted to the will of the Father, dying to yourself, and for the joy that was set before Him, raised up in newness of life. Amen? Colossians chapter 1. I mean, this is basic stuff. This is Christianity 101. I wish I was going deep, but we haven't got 101 yet. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, watch this. He is the image of who? The firstborn over, wow, verse 18, and he is the head of, the what? What's the next two words? The body is, anybody believe you're a church member? People always, I had somebody, I've had people tell me when, when they move out of the area, they leave church, could you take me off the membership roll? I said, I don't have that authority, probably have to ask the Lord. We had one guy years ago, he used to come around wash our windows, and he went to a church. They're a very official church. And you come in, you join the membership, go through the whole thing, shake the preacher's hand, blah, 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 and, meet all the, and then you can become an official member. They put your name on the membership roll. He goes, do you guys have an official membership roll? I said, no. He goes, how do you do church discipline? I said, it's real easy. You're a flake. Get out of here. See, no list, no nothing. You're out of order. Amen? You do it like Paul said. You reprove and you rebuke openly. I mean, no, that's not popular today. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Are you really? I mean, no, I, I could read the Bible and thin this crowd in about five minutes. I could get down to maybe three faithful here. Pretty, my wife and my kids, could they have to live with me. Just read the Bible. I don't have to preach. No commentary needed. Amen. Verse eighteen. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the? Who is the what? Verse eighteen. The beginning. He's the beginning. The firstborn from where? That all things may have that in all things he what may have the what? The preeminent. That is the supreme place. So, which means that that's not you. In Christianity, he is it. He's it. Are you with me? And so, but, but in him, see, I have to believe that in him and having him is better than anything I could ever have on my own. Yeah, I've found this. And Pastor Sue and I tease and do all kinds of things. But I know that my life in her and being joined to her and being one with her, whatever it costs, whatever part of me, all of me that has to die to be able to be in her and one with her, that it is worth what I have In her together. And greater than anything I could ever have on my own. People who say they don't need somebody in their life. Have bought a lie. And it's connected to a wound. And a hurt. And a root in your life. And it will make it hard. And and, and you say. Well I just do that with people. I am one with the Lord. No you're not. Because Jesus said. If you can't love those that you see and you can't be one with somebody that you see, then you can't love me. People are paying. I don't mean to embarrass which? Tell me your name one more time. Kathy. Her testimony was so powerful after the encounter. Rocked my world and what God did in her heart. And how God healed her because of the pain of her path. And she went through a thing. And she said, I, I built a wall. And I didn't need anybody in my life. And this weekend, God healed me. Yeah, honey, that was so powerful. And God healed my heart. I'm like, I do. I just like It was awesome. It was awesome. And it says that now, that this thing that had me closed off. And isolated. Is now gone. I could love, I could trust again. And, and I'm not alone, I'm not. Are you with me this morning? And so, in that area, he has a brim, but, but in him is more. I believe that God's predestined plan for, I, I, I'm, we have creative minds. We are made in You look around our world and you look at all the things that we've created. It's crazy right now as I'm preaching people or other places and and watching us live right now over the web. That is crazy. But that is nothing compared to what He planned for your life. You, the, the, the most crazy thing that we can design and, and, and come up with is nothing compared to the, the joy that's in His plan for your life. Amen. Somehow we think, I, I could create it, I could have designed it better, I'd, I'd have moved the wall, I'd have done this, I'd have done that, I'd have made this part bigger, this part smaller. That, but, but God knows what you need. And He knows what, how you work better. He made you. And if I ever get back to that place where I just believe that I am fearfully and and what, what? wonderfully made. Hey! I am wonderful! Amen? And so I just agree with Him. And you live in that and you go, Oh God, You're amazing! Yeah, I, I, I would have never never seen this I, 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 wouldn't, I could have not planned this I could have not seen this but God you, you foreknew me and you pre-planned that for my life and so there's something found on the other side of surrender there's something found on the other side of I will die and live for the life to come down there's something on the other side of that that you can't have any other way and the devil knows that so he sold you a lie and he says hold on to something don't let everything die C.S. Lewis said it in Mere Christianity, what you don't lose in death, you will never experience in resurrection. But what you don't want to lose in death, all, all, all you young people not married yet, you hold out for somebody who wants to die, that sees something in you that says you're worth dying for. Because there's something in you that calls to something in me. It says that, that I could die and, and, and so all that I am into you and that what's in you with what's in me would produce something that I could never have on my. So I choose to die for the hope of the resurrection. And Christianity is the hope of a resurrection, and it's when you and I look at Christ and we say, "There's something in you, Lord, that is speaking to something in me, and it's inviting me to die and to be sown into you for the hope of the resurrection. Wow. <laughs> wow. So Tell us, wait, that was good. Even if I amen. preach it, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 15. Wow. The Holy Ghost blows my mind. Come on, this stuff isn't even in here. I don't know where it comes from. People say the Holy Ghost isn't for today or are really selling themselves short. Because the Lord said, you study, you prove and in that moment when you get out. The Holy Ghost will give you what to say. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. I don't know how far we'll get past this, but watch it. Watch it again. But now Christ is risen from where? The dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. See, Tomorrow, I'm going to go do Bill Anthony's son, Charles, passed away. And so I, I, I do his memorial service tomorrow in Dixon at the, the Veteran Memorial uh, Cemetery there and that. But, but see, there's a hope. And so 1 Corinthians 14 says, hey, comfort these with these saying that those who have gone before us in Christ will not prevent us, but they, they, they will be raised up and then we'll be raised up with them at the coming of the Lord. And so there's a the hope that, that though we are dead when Jesus walked into Jairus' house and they're all saying she's dead, he goes, she's not dead, she's asleep. And He said, Daughter, arise! And that voice of authority called into the place of spiritual sleep and caused that spirit to come back into her. And that child rose up from the slumber. People call it death, but Jesus said, In Him you're not dead. They are asleep in the Lord. And there's that day when the fullness and the complete manifestation of the resurrection is going to come forth. Amen. But you don't get that without dying either. And so... I choose to have a pre-death experience. I choose, you know, it's kind of like you could pay in advance. You know, it's kind of neat to go someplace with a prepaid card. Show up and everything's paid for. Amen. I want to show up to heaven with a prepaid card. I died before I got here. Amen. because I said, I can't go there right now. No, because I, I wanted to talk about the book. Because there's a book called the book of life. There's a book of life. And at the judgment seat, it says that Jesus, the death and the grave are going to give up the dead. And, and, and the sea and the grave, they're going to give up the death. And then the book's going to be open, And Jesus is going to turn to your page. Look at your name. He's gonna see if anything was written there. And the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name gets written. And from that moment on, He's waiting for you to give him something to write in the book. Something that proves that you are raised in newness of life. And he's waiting. For how you live. Well, you know, I think. Okay, that, I think doesn't get written in the book. You, you know what gets written in the book? The Word. When you do the Word. Do the Word. When you live the Word. Oh, that gets written in the book. I just don't think that's for the day. I don't think that's where the date doesn't get written in the book. None of that stuff gets written in the book. So he's waiting. And a lot of people, well, I see your name. Nothing else there. And then there's places that Jesus said, he actually said, I'll take their name out. That's kind of that Calvinist, Armenian thing. Which are you? Once saved, always saved, always in, always in. I don't know. It said that some names get taken out. So run that through your whatever it is. I just know that that's what he said. I, I don't know what that means. I know that that's what he... That, that isn't what one somebody else. That's what Jesus said. Is in, is out. And he said that there's a reward according to what's written in the book. But it's hard to do what's written in the book because what's written in the book flows out of being submitted to the preeminence of his will. But if I'm told that Christianity doesn't involve a death, then I'm told that I get to live my life. And every now and then come to church on Sunday. And, and then I show up in heaven. The Lord will go, well, nothing here, but I guess we'll save you by fire. Whatever that means. We have some weird thoughts. Run you through and, like, you're like the charcoal believers bunch that lives on that side. You go over there, it always smells smoky over there. But don't go over there. Stay on this side of heaven. There's a no smoke section. Are you with me? But Jesus said, He said, Your name be in the book. He's the firstborn from the dead. And there's a promise of resurrection that belongs to you and me. Are you with me? I have to finish this. Who won the bet today? That was bet, Sue, whether I finish or not. I want to get in on the lottery so I could win it by finishing someday. Amen. Now watch, watch, watch. Skip down this next point. You, you can go, James 1, Matthew 1.25. You can read those about Jesus being the firstborn of Mary. James again speaks of Jesus. James 1.18, Jesus about being the firstborn. But I'm sorry to say that there is no life in Christ without death, guys. Hear me. There can be no new without the passing of the old. Jesus knew that our redemption could only come on the other side of his death. He had to die. Jesus came he, he kept telling, he said, he, You read the gospels, he says to his disciples. Prior, prior to it happening, he said to his disciples, hey guys, listen to me, listen to me. He says, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. I'm going to be despised and rejected. I'm going to be severely treated and tormented and punished. I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised on the third day. I know that I have to die. And this is why I came forth. I came to die, Because if I don't die, there can be no life for you. Life is only on the other side of my death. So my question to Christianity today, how can we have a Christianity that could only be purchased on the other side of death when today we don't want to die? There cannot be. If he had to die to purchase it, we must die to receive it. We cannot live a watered-down, death-free life of religious rhetoric and then expect to be accepted by Him into His kingdom when He Himself had to die to make a way for us. I can't live a self-willed life, self-intoxicated life, and run around doing all my own thing and talking about the blessing of the Lord when the same guy out on the street that has a job just as good as you is just as blessed as you are. The amen went right there. Because just because I'm a Christian, I have a good job, and I make good money, and I do all that, doesn't necessarily mean I am the blessed of the Lord. I did not know what that means. It means, are you willing to forsake it all and follow Him? If that's the case, then Jesus should have been overwhelmed when the rich young ruler wanted to come and follow Him. He should have called him blessed, highly favored of the Lord. Look, you prosperous man, you must be the blessed of the Lord. I know mean, this isn't American preaching today. But Jesus said, here, 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 here you go. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor because it has more preeminence in your life than I do. And so when I have the preeminence, then come and follow me. And then if you will do that, if you will sow it, Into death, you go on and read Mark chapter 10. Jesus said it's added back to you in resurrection form. And like I said earlier, anything that comes back in resurrection form will never have a hold to you again because you already died to it. And it is death. And so whether you have it or whether you don't, the only thing that matters from now on, the only thing that matters to you is the thing that was most valuable, the thing that was worth dying for in the first place. How do you stay married for so long? I found something worth dying for. And so everything I had to die to to have it will never have a higher place in my life again. Are you with me? Amen. So for me, with Pastor too, and all the things that I enjoyed before and all, all the things that were destructive in my life previously, I died to. If I get too cool, if I don't cool, if I get to hunt cool, if I get to fish cool, if I get to do this cool, if I don't get. If I, it doesn't matter it no longer has a hold on me because what I got in exchange is greater than it ever added to my life. Somebody ought to shout amen. amen. And so it works in marriage in relationship with the Lord. Bill, if you come to the keyboard, turn over to the last page of your outline. I just want you to see this quickly. The power of a seed to conceive and bring forth life. If you break, e- even in evolution, everything down, if you break life down to the smallest, rarest form, somewhere in the midst of the Big Bang Theory, in the midst of the evolution and Darwinism and all the scientific thoughts about everything, how we came to be without the help of God, if you break it down somewhere, somewhere, there has to be a single cell of life. Life cannot come from no life. So somewhere, there had to be a single cell of life. And the amazing thing is, when you break man down to, you get down to the cell of life. It's Amazing. The miracle of conception and life. The cell of life is found in the mystery of conception. The single cell multiplies. The male sperm and the female egg come together. Miracle conception. Two cells come together. Miracle of conception. The seed now planted in the woman, the female. Do you know what female means? It means man with womb. God took something out of man and reformed it and gave it a womb to conceive in the natural so man could see how he was created to receive in the spiritual. So God took a man and created a man with the womb called him female, Man with womb. And she's able to conceive natural seed. But you and I were formed out of third day soil. And that soil was ordained to receive the seed. And reproduce after its own kind. And so you and I are still man with womb. Because what she was made of came out of me. So in the natural state we are able to conceive. Somebody ought to shout amen. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and told them, what? this. He wrote to the church and told them this, Galatians 4.19. My, my children, for whom I travail for as a, as a woman in the throes of birth, on the edge of birth and delivery, I'm praying for you until Christ is fully formed in you. 1 1.27 tells us about Christ in you, the hope of glory. The seed and soil come together. We call that conception. The seed of life is now nourished by the intake of the mother. The one who carries a life for good or for bad. Hear me, church. When a woman conceives, from that moment on, once that life is planted, that seed, the the, the two cells come together and, and, and then that joined life now seeks for a place to be planted. And when that life connects to the wall of that womb, when that life gets planted in the womb and it begins to grow, now everything that the mother partakes of, it partakes of. If mom gets drunk, baby gets drunk. Mom smokes dope, baby smokes dope. Mom eats cottage cheese, baby eats cottage cheese. Mom eats onions, baby goes Ugh. Are you with me? Garlic, obnoxious, jalapenos ah! I mean babies. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Because the life is connected to the mother. And what now, what she takes in, affects the life that's forming on the inside of her. Birth defects can be caused by the intake of the mother. That's why prenatal care is important. A woman will say, I'm with life on the inside. A life is being formed in me. No thank you, I am with child. What would happen if the church... Began once again to conceive. And when the world begins to offer you its dainty, When the world begins to offer you its narcotics. When the world begins to offer you the things that are detrimental to the life that's on the inside of you. If you stood back and say, hey, no thank you, I am with life. Life is being formed on the inside of me. At that moment, the church doesn't have to say, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do that. The world says, hey, it's okay, you're praying. You listen, listen. People say, can I still smoke and go to heaven? Can I still drink and go to heaven? Could I still smoke medical marijuana and go to heaven? Yes, but the life in you is being deformed. It will never be fully formed. You will never birth a life of full faith. You will never see the power of God. That life will come out of you. It will live. It will be crippled. That's it. Okay. Hey, if you protect that. Baby, why won't you protect your eternal life? Well, it's important to avoid drugs, alcohol, certain foods. Attitudes that affect emotions. You get mothers that worry all through their pregnancy. They birth neurotic children. I'm serious. Your attitude while you're pregnant... Medical science, I'm not telling you anything that can't be proved. Your kid comes out. (laughs) We tried to tell you You won't like the outcome. Mm. Attitudes. Which all in turn, listen, which all in turn affect the life being carried in the womb. Hear me, church. You cannot have bitterness and resentment, division, contention. You can't take that in and not affect your spiritual life. Not affect. No, I'm just not. I just don't feel. And people saying, oh, I just don't feel like God's growing. I just don't feel." What are you taking in since the day you conceived? What have you continued to ingest? A, a mother knows. When a, Pastor Sue she, she did it with our kids and 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 with Austin or something or James, but she eating all. Said, "Wait a minute! I don't have to eat that much good stuff." But, but, but I don't mean that negatively, but you think, I want to do it all right, but she the first person, you want to do this, do this, do this, and then she ate too much and, and put on too much. I'm, I'm not being rude, I'm just saying that she tried to do everything just exactly right, and so it produced more, and so it was the overboard side of that. Are you with me? But it, then, walk, and then as we had all three children, she walked in wisdom towards that. She moved away away. Corny was born real small we tease about that amen how did he get so tall and skinny we didn't feed him when he was growing (laughs) not true but stay with me it works exactly the same with the life I carry in the womb of our spirits amen the stated purpose and intention of the enemy is to abort or kill the life of Christ that's in you that's what the devil's after If he cannot abort it at conception before it takes root in your heart, he will seek to cause it to miscarry. Every one of you in here, God wants his life on the inside of you. He wants you to know the joy of his life on the inside of you. Full form, full maturity. The devil doesn't want the life of Christ to come to maturity on the inside of you. So he'll do everything if he can't abort it. That's what the parable, Jesus taught the parable of the sower. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In every case is an attack to abort the Word. In Mark chapter 4, and it's in here, verse 17. It says that when persecution and affliction arise for the Word's sake. Because of anything, but just because of the Word that got sown in your heart. Persecution and affliction come to scorch the Word, to keep it from growing and producing in your life. For the Word's sake, nothing else. If it doesn't work to abort it or to miscarry and the life is formed and delivered, then he will seek to destroy and to kill it. Go back and read Matthew chapter 2. You found out that when Herod found out that Jesus was born, he surmised from talking to the wise men at what time that he was born, and he went and sent to have every child killed from two years age and under. And Jesus, the, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Arise and take the child and his mother into Egypt. Because there are those that seek to destroy his life. And when Herod passed away, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in chapter 2 and verse 20. And says, now you can return because those that sought to destroy his life are now dead. Then later you followed the life and the ministry of Jesus and every time He began to speak and walk in the fullness of the life that He came to bring, those that heard Him tried to kill Him, tried to destroy Him, they tried to throw Him off the cliff and they were constantly plotting behind the scenes. The plot of His death was a three and a half year mastermind culmination that came to pass at the right time when they could take Him, could capture Him, could, could uh, convince one of His disciples and all that stuff to bring it to pass. So there was an ongoing plot to end his life. And if you think that you're going to conceive. that That's why. Today you are sold casual Christianity. Are you with me this morning? A casual. It's okay. Just be There is a plot of assassination against your life. By the devil. The devil wants you in hell. He's going down and He's taking anybody He can so that He has an assignment. The minute He senses that life is on the inside of you. I'm convinced of this. And and, and I'm not trying to be silly or facetious, but I'm convinced that there's a pregnancy test every Sunday. It's like the devil goes, checking for conception. Did any seed get planted? Did they hear that? And if they detect life, then an assignment is launched. And I, I used to never understand it. My pastor was so wise; he'd say things. But Brotherhood would say, "Every decision you make for God will be tested." And sometimes God ordains a test, and it's just to conceive the life and to cause it to grow and to mature and to be strong. But there's other times that it's an assignment trying to abort the life that's on the inside of you, trying to get you to miscarry. Eat the wrong things, drink the wrong thing. A woman, by eating and drinking the wrong thing, can miscarry. Cause the baby to, 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 to die and disconnect and then discharge. Not, not every case. Sometimes there's natural. I mean, no, I'm making application. Not talking to anybody personally or anything. But, but in that, but spiritually devil will run a test on you, and you begin. You go, man. I, I feel like all hell's breaking loose in my life. You're pregnant. Life is formed, and he knows it. And his only alternative is to end that life before it is fully formed. Because if it ever gets that, if you if you ever get past the place of almost committed, watch this, honey. Come here. This October, I stood and I looked at my wife. I said, all that I am and all that I ever shall be, I give you now. I chose to die. And that said, no matter what, no matter good, no matter bad, no matter what, and and we exchanged a vow to each other. And we chose to die one for and to the other. We gave our life to each other. Believing that we had found somebody that we could do life with. I told a young couple last week, this is marriage. You're the person I want to do life with. Whatever that is. For the rest of my life, I choose you for life no matter whatever that means however life is defined or however life comes i choose you not because i, I feel you i mean i feel you but i choose you in my will and this is this is an act of my will And so that means no matter what happens around us, no matter what the circumstance, no matter how life changes, I have willed my life to you for the rest of my life. And as long as I live, as long as I breathe, my life is willed to you. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to get married. And you young people, when you hear me talk about dating, you may say things, until you're ready for that, you look in nobody's eyes. Don't you? Because once this starts going, everything else wants to get involved. And then once everything else is getting involved, all the rules change. Because once you go from wisdom to emotion, once you go from wisdom to emotion, wisdom goes out the window. Are you with me? Forgive me for going so long, but you're the amen corner. I just had to get it out today. Bow your heads with me this morning. Bow your heads with me this morning. There is nothing like a death or life decision. Nothing can be compared. I I know everybody's personality is different, and 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 I can only speak out of mine. I've had over the years, I've had pastor friends that. Have gotten burnout, go on long sabbaticals, do all this stuff. I go, I, how do you get burnout on your life? I, this is my life. This is my joy. It's like me coming to my wife and saying, you know, honey, I, I just this has been hard. I, I just need like a eighteen month sabbatical. I'll be back. I love you, but I just need a, I, I just need a sabbatical. You say, well, just keep going. (laughs) Amen. We wouldn't do that. But with Christ, with ministry, with the call. I've just found this, guys. I hope I can say it to you some way that helps you today. There's nothing to be compared to a death for life decision. Your life. Saying, Lord, I to die for you, that I might live new in you. All our years of and I've loved young people just because I was stupid when I was young. I said it last week we've had a heartbeat for young people and people don't understand us sometime and it seems like we're giving them because I was stupid when I was young. I said it last week, I don't want them to know my pain. And I'm always so proud when our young people are on fire for God, saying yes to God with their lives. Had so much joy, but I've also watched a lot of young people make mistakes, but I keep believing that God's raising up a great generation. Young people who learn the truth of death for life, using death to have life. They'll have a lifetime walk with the Lord. That they'll find that person in their life. They'll have lifetime marriages. They'll get this. They'll know it. They'll live it. I don't really know how to close this and just to take a moment. If any way God's speaking to you, And if there's something in your relationship with Him that you've kept on the other side of death and haven't let it go believing for resurrection, I'm just going to invite you to come to this altar. It might be the first time you've ever made that type of decision for the Lord. It might be that you've walked with the Lord, but you know there are things that you've held on on the outside maybe you're here today and 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 you've conceived that life but the world still entices you and it's those things oh it's okay you can live and still take this take this take that and you wonder why you feel choked in your spiritual growth and development how come i'm choked out it could be it could be for almost anything we said this morning but if god's pulling on your heart for whatever reason would you just take a moment and find a way to this altar just say yes to god just have a yes there's something so powerful about a decision and an action and a step and just putting a, a, a step to what I say, to what I believe, to what God's saying to me. To following up with the decision and make that decision, just to have a yes. I like that. God's not moving upon you, and you feel secure right where you're at. Would you just? kind of where you are just begin to worship Him for a moment just out of your heart thanking Him for the life just right where you are just reaffirm sometimes it's so good for a husband and a wife to just to say to one another I, I love you I've given my life to honey no matter what I love you I give my life to you. I'm not going anywhere nothing could move me nothing could shake me I, I, I'm with you for life Sometimes there's something so powerful about us just saying to the Lord, Lord, I love you. My life is still yours. I'm with you for life. I'm with you for life. I I, I thank you for the feelings. I thank you for the emotions. I thank you for the high times. I thank you for the joy. But I didn't commit to you for that. I committed to you for life. And I'm with you for life. In my lowest point, you're my greatest strength. I make it through the trials. I make it through the hard times. Because I know you've committed your life to me. I have great assurance in the commitment of Christ to me. I have great assurance in the commitment of my wife to me. I never worry. I don't have a worry. I don't have a fear. I know her heart to me. You need that assurance in your life that God is for you. He made is for you. You can trust Him. You can rest in them. Father, I pray for Your people this morning. Lord, we just say yes. We choose death that we might have life. That we might be raised up in the newness of Your life. Father, forgive us for anything we've held back. Forgive us for anything that we thought could have had more value or added more to us than what you have for us. We surrender and we say yes. Jesus, we receive your life. We thank you. Lord, those things we allowed to Close us off the pains, the hurts, the wounds. We allow you to heal us today. You heal our hearts, Father. We thank you for. It. We thank you for. It. We thank you for it, Father. You're the healer, Jesus. You said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, that He has sent me to heal the broken hearts. Thank You, Father, for healing hearts today. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.